welcome back, and we have Ann Morrison here. And uh, we've got lots of stories to cover today. Uh, it was so crazy. My computer had uh, lots of corruption last week with a Google Chrome thing, so I just got it repaired yesterday, so we weren't able to do a video. I did a kind of a quick summary just running through some of the things you mentioned last week. Uh, yes. But uh, what, what topics are going on today that are most important? Well, I want to cover uh, the uh, anything that affects the health, so we'll talk a little bit about Zika and then ricin and uh, radiation. But uh, there's a lot of constitutional uh, uh, articles out there uh, having to do, you know, the Constitution, well, I think it's actually the uh, Declaration of Independence, is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, you know, the government is not supposed to kill us. And they're supposed to take steps to make sure that we have, uh, you know, adequate protection against that. So I want to talk kidding. about I mean, that. You mean actually you're not supposed to kill us? We're they're not supposed to. You're kidding. But, it, but you know governments have been the main, the, the main harbinger of death to people in the 20th and early 21st century uh, to the tune of, I think, between three and 400 million people have died by a, oftentimes their own governments or adjacent governments. Well, a lot of times that is getting rid of the indigenous people. Uh, Australia was probably probably handled the indigenous people the best. What they did was they forced them to intermarry, and pretty soon they didn't have any. They were just like you know, just like the Australians, <laughs> and in fact, they they don't have very many indigenous people. So uh, you know that was a what a social experiment that worked. I guess it worked for the Australians. Um, and of course, we put ours on reservations and uh, just got them out of out of sight, out of mind. Right. But yeah, uh, but Russia killed millions of people. They just if it, if they weren't white Russian, they got killed. And China does that too. Yeah, they had uh, eugenic policy. Yes. So uh, let's talk about this. You know, we've had a lot of information that seems to indicate that, uh, well, there are critics who say that there's a connection between the larvicide pyroproxifen and uh, the microcephaly of Zika, because uh, uh, that was the first place that they know that, well, there were so many people there. And so, of course, they started seeing babies being born with microcephaly, and it made an impact. But they have done a study now, and they did a they did a human fetal brain uh, studies, and they looked for the type of Zika virus that were in these uh, microcephaly babies. And uh, you can uh, there's a chart that I'm I'm going to post that shows that uh, the Asian strain, that is the the one that came from Mexico is the uh, primary uh, strain, uh, Asian lineage, you see that there, and uh, the African lineage doesn't. Now, the African lineage actually went back, in, went uh, west, back in and around Africa. The Asian lineage, though, where, uh, where it says French Polynesia, that is the one that came, they call that the Mexican... Zika virus strain, and that seems to be the one. So it came out of French Polynesia. I don't know if they have a laboratory there. You know, I don't know what happened to it there. But they did a study, 
And uh, so it's extremely strain dependent. Um, so we, but they know that it it happened before it reached Brazil. So it was the Asian lineage of the Zika strain that was uh, isolated from the 2015 Mexican outbreak, and it infects the human neural stem cells, which are the brain cells and the uh, brain stem cells, spinal tap. So uh, it's not, it didn't come out of Africa, and it didn't change when it got to Brazil. What happened was that it changed somehow, and they don't know how, uh, that it changed uh, in uh, or around French Polynesia, and then from there it went into uh into South America and Central America, and that's when they saw, actually from that point forward, they started, uh, they they went back and did a retrospective analysis, and, and they discovered microcephaly and Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a creeping paralysis. So what, what you're saying is they've discovered the ontogeny of the substrain that emerged that is causing more neurotropic damage. Yes. <coughs> And so, um, but of course, there are still people, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm also including, when I put this up on the website, I'm also including a, uh, a very nice picture that shows the history. And uh, this came from a, uh, from a very good study, by the way. <laughs> and uh, you can see, now, they were studying all the, all of the, uh, the the three viruses that are related, the arboviruses, and so that was dengue, Zika, and chikungunya, and um, so uh, and on this uh, map you can the Zika is a purple square. So so it started out in two thousand seven, and then we don't see it again. Uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. In 2011, 2012, and then suddenly in 2013, it's in French Polynesia and also um, New Guinea. And it was the one that went into French Polynesia that emerged, and in 2014, you can see it crossing the Pacific Ocean. So uh, they did an excellent study here, and they did have outbreaks uh, of dengue and chikungunya, along with the uh, Zika virus, and uh, let's see, yeah, in 2007, the YAP state, the Federated States of Micronesia, reported the first outbreak of Zika virus, and uh, so that was outside of Africa, and then uh, they subsequent infections were not reported until two thirds. 2013, where it appeared in French Polynesia, and then it was disseminated throughout the Pacific. Do they have well, any theories on, on how the virus, uh, what environmental factors might have been a factor, cofactor like, say, pesticides or vaccines or what other factor might have been the, the kind of the fulcrum factor that changed the virus so it became this much more dangerous pathogen? Well, um, you know, last week we talked about uh, we talked about the Neanderthals. I think it was two weeks ago, right? And how and how that uh, how some of us have the uh, Neanderthal uh, genes in our DNA, 
Right. Well, there was another group that immigrated 60,000 years after the after the Neanderthals. <laughs> These are all pre-humanids. And they went east. And um, the, Poly- the only place they can find genes from that group is in Polynesia. In other words, those islands of the, of oh, yeah. the Pacific. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I... I either am leaning towards this laboratory in French Polynesia that fiddled with it, and uh, but I don't think that's true because what happened was they went back and looked at the Zika patients, and then they discovered that they had microcephaly and Guillain-Barre syndrome. And so... Um, I'm suspicious that what happened was that it got mixed up with this other, these other genes that came um, pre-humanid out of Africa and ended up in the Pacific. Uh, so let, thinking, let, me, let me throw out another possible theory. It might be possible. Remember how we can get wrong recombinants where we have these attenuated virus vaccines like you mentioned a month ago, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they combine with a wild virus? Could there have been in the Polynesian population a kind of a stealth, non-pathogenic, wild filovirus or RNA virus and somehow it recombined and transferred even a small number of codons and that was enough to do it? I'm just wondering, the most likely thing, like anything, is like, uh, is, you know, when you hear hoofbeats, it's more likely horses and zebras. Maybe it's a simple recombination with something that was local to one area of the world. Uh, For example, the specific substrains of Ebola that were probably you know much more dangerous in one part of the world than another. Uh, it maybe what happened is there's a a filovirus strain that somehow could recombine with the with the uh, filovirus strain uh, for Zika, and somehow that created the changes. Who knows? Well, they've looked closely <coughs> at those uh, uh, viruses, the dengue and the chikungunya and the Zika, because they're all related. They're all flaviviruses. Yeah, they're similar. Yeah. Uh, they're similar. Yeah, I won't, they're not related, but they are very similar. And um, they, it's possible that they think that maybe a, maybe a person had dengue and caught Zika, and uh, maybe they had both viruses in their bodies. And yeah, in fact, uh, that's one of the areas in South America where I know I saw a few reports that say, I think there might be co-infection with somebody who has both dengue and that. I have a suspicion that there's some other pathogen that was in the Polynesians that somehow created this new recombinant, uh, that the person became a mixing vessel. And maybe there was some environmental factor, whether it's environmental toxin or God knows what, that made that process more efficient. For example, we know in the laboratory, if you take uh, ferrets and you irradiate them, they discovered this in the 60s in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. If you irradiate an animal and expose it to, not only to a pathogen, but if you... or several different uh, virus strains, it makes the chances of creating a recombinant uh, amplified thousands of times, if not more. And RNA viruses mutate up to 10,000 times faster than DNA viruses. So I'd be kind of suspicious of, of, of some kind of process that created the new recombinant. I'm not exactly sure all the components of it, but I have a suspicion that somehow, like you mentioned, dengue and, and Zika or some other bug that it's a recombinant that's, yeah, something like that happened. Well, the other thing is, um, uh, where are the Bikini Islands? That's where the radiation 
bombs were tested. Ah, okay, there you go. Now you're starting to pull at something. Uh, by the way, it was some of my nuclear guys that I worked with down in Savannah, Georgia, back in the late 80s. Uh, how, how radioactive do you think those Bikini Islands were when they blew up the bombs down there? Oh, they were very radioactive, and in some cases <clears throat> the ships had to be sunk. Do you know that the, they're so radioactive, some of these isolated islands, that to go back there you need a full-body rad suit? You can't go on these islands even after 60, 70 years because they're so damn radioactive now. Even today, they're dangerous to go there without a full-body rad suit and separate air system. Well, I just don't know uh, where... I thought the Bikini Islands were up in there, Hawaii. But I'm not sure that... I guess I guess I really don't know where they are. I think they're up somewhere they, in, in Polynesia. Somewhere in Polynesia, actually, I think is where they are. Well, in that case, it could be that the people on French Polynesia, because because of the uh, prevailing winds, mm-hmm. maybe they just got an extra dose of radiation, and uh, uh, because of that, it might have, uh, yeah, changed the Zika. Right. Uh, but they've looked at the differences between the dengue and the Zika and the chikungunya, and they say that... No, they are three different viruses. They don't overlap in any of the genes. Yeah, they don't. But, uh, yeah. But your immune system can get <clears throat> can uh, decrease because if you have, for instance, chikungunya and then you get Zika, you're more likely to 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 have problems with Zika. Right. So, but I think that's more an immune system thing. <laughs> yeah. So something something obviously was different about either the environment or coal pastion or something. We don't know. It might be interesting to find out because if those circumstances, for example, in Japan around, they're now the Japanese government are forcing people back into the radioactive territories of surrounding Fukushima Daiichi, and these areas are still very radioactive. Yeah. And, and many um, of them, like the, the reactor 2 is up to 9.7 sieverts per hour radiation. It's like so damn radioactive now, and it's not getting better. It's actually getting worse. Well, I think the French were involved in some of those atomic tests. I don't know that, and I haven't uh, researched it, and I probably won't. But I would throw that into the mix that maybe there was uh, radiation that got Yeah, it might have been a factor uh, uh, somehow that maybe there's some, a group of people that actually have a natural amount of radiation, so maybe the virus mutated faster in them and that created the new... Because apparently they did a codon analysis and of 10,000 codons in Zika, there are only 15 base pair changes between the pre-super pathogenic strain and this one, so it's not a lot of base pair changes to make it a lot worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it did make it a lot worse. Now, they've gone back and they've looked to see if, uh, you know, when they when people first got Zika, they, you know, 80% of them on uh, French Polynesia didn't show any symptoms. But, and they kind of ignored, just didn't think of looking for microcephaly or, or Gillian Barr. But they did go back and look, and they did discover that there were cases that were ignored and um, from Zika. And um, Brazil has done extensive testing, and uh, they no longer use this, this uh, uh, larvicide. But they yeah. say that tests of blood tissue and amniotic fluid... Uh, suggests the relationship between Zika and microcephaly. Yeah, you're, uh, you're talking about the, uh, the larvicide, the piraproxifen, the one that you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, piraproxifen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And they said some localities did not use paraproxifen, but they also had uh, microcephaly and probably yeah. Zika. And yeah, I know. Some people were trying to push it. I think uh, Mike Adams over at uh, National News was thinking it was just the uh, pesticide, or the larvicide, but in actual fact, uh, the Zika alone will do it. Uh, my guess is some of these other toxins are, have effects and neuro- neurological effects as well, and spermicidal or uh, ovicidal effects, but... Uh, you know, you get polytoxicity. Um, I'm sure it's not help, helping. Uh, the next well, topic you have, do you want to move on to the next one, or is that enough on Zika? Well, I think you have to remember that uh, when they used the parapox, something, yeah. that uh, they probably saved a lot of people. In other words, they killed a lot of the mosquitoes that otherwise would have been transferring um, diseases to the people. Yeah, and in other so, words... Uh, Doing that with stopping the program with paraproxifen might be a bad idea because you stop primary exposure to the virus. <clears throat> exactly. So you have to balance and it out, in other words. Uh, you have to balance it, it up. And just you like have to when, they the t- when they stop the program <clears throat> to kill the malaria-carrying mosquitoes, you had a massive explosion in malaria, and people don't realize that malaria was the number one killer of children under five for years worldwide, other than oh, yeah. diarrhea. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we sure do like those gin and tonics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what the British. That's what the British said, but they, they used down, a lot. Yeah, they come down the barge in the, on these rivers in Africa with their gin and tonic. That's funny, hey. Well, it worked. Now, what it was was they had a, a much part, a much bigger dose of uh, quinine than what you get in tonic water. Right. But. Uh, when I start, uh, when I start having uh, cycles of sweats and chills, I'll I'll buy a bottle of tonic water and I'll add it to water or ginger <clears throat> ale or something, not gin. Well, but, uh, and it seems to help. Yeah, so it I, will help. I, uh, but but uh, you know, one of the things I want people to do in prepping is I want them to get our antipathogenics, and I want to get them now. I know last week we mentioned about the pepper tree. I think that's kind of an experimental thing. I think that our antipathogenics, and I've been researching this for many years, we have the Edgar Casey monatomic iodine. I have a, a, a NASA engineer that makes it for me. I have the German source Alice Med, and I have the Neutral Silver that I have some top scientists help me design. Uh, and our Neutral Defense, if you don't have these and a plague happens and they are happening, like H7N9, you're going to be wiped out or sick as hell. And it's going to... This H7N9 is 16 times more lethal than the 1918 flu, and it's coming. It could be, it probably is coming this year. You, your husband, your wife, your children, we all need food. And with dozens of food storage companies buying up airtime all over radio, it's hard for you to know which company you can actually trust. Hey folks, John Statmiller here. We at RBN understand, which is why I personally searched out a storable food company and one with similar core values to us here at RBN and of course you, the listener. Well, I found such a company. I'd like to introduce you to Numana Food Storage. 
Numana Food Storage, highly nutritious, GMO-free, contains no aspartame, no high-fructose corn syrup, has no chemical preservatives or soy, and Numana Food Storage has a 25-year shelf life. To back up my claims, we've made Numana Food Storage the exclusive food sponsor of RBN. Call 888-597-0775, 888-597-0775. Order online at NumanaRepublic.com. That's N-U-M-A-N. NNARepublic.com. Food storage you'll love to eat. PatriotPrepared.com carries the leading brands of storable food from Numana, Legacy, and Heaven's Harvest. Patriot Prepared. Our name says it all. We're dedicated to empowering you to be self-reliant and confident in any circumstance. Whether you want to be prepared in the event of an emergency or you're an outdoor sports enthusiast, PatriotPrepared.com has prepackaged meals and kits for your entire family. Legacy, Heaven's Harvest, and Numana are known for high-quality, great-tasting GMO free nutritious food with no chemical preservatives simple to prepare easy to store gluten-free and organic high quality nutrition options with a 25 year shelf life you can't beat the feeling of being food secure when you need it most so go to patriotprepared.com right now to pick up your supply of high quality storable food for your family because it makes good sense to be prepared that's patriotprepared.com Would odors, mold, and mildew describe your basement or crawl space? It doesn't have to be that way. Transform them into a fresh, healthy, usable one with the technologically advanced Wave Moisture Control Units. The computerized operation maximizes moisture control and also expels harmful radon, combustion gases, and numerous other pollutants. Dehumidifiers are old technology that do nothing for air quality and waste energy. Wave units are intelligent, self-monitoring, do not need maintenance, and will save you hundreds in electricity. Wave units are still running effectively over 15 years. They've been tested and installed in public and military housing and by property managers nationwide. Buy a unit now and if your home is not fresher and drier, you can return it for a full refund for up to 12 months. What have you got to lose? Call now. 1-888-618-WAVE. 1-888-618-WAVE. Or visit MyDryHome.com. That's MyDryHome.com. Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. to Ray- Ryson. Ryson, yeah. <clears throat> and welcome back. Um, and you want to talk about Ryson. This is very something that you can literally cook up in your own kitchen. It's scary as hell, though. Tell us about the story. Yeah, scary as hell. Well, the, uh, the uh, this fellow, this young man, 27, I would call that young, he drove himself to the hospital and he claimed he had ricin on his hands, and that was the Fannin County Sheriff. In a field test of the car driven by, uh, this was William Christopher Gibbs. They've already given him three names, which means they, they think he's a terrorist. 
Anyway, they looked at the car, and sure enough, it gave a positive result for ricin. For ricin. And uh, then uh, they sent in the fourth weapons of mass destruction civil support team of the Army National Guard and right. the Cherokee County Fire Department to make sure everything was safe. Now they haven't said uh, they haven't said where where he was doing this or why he thought he might have ricin on his hands. And uh, so. Whether he did it or whether somebody did it to him or, you know, the whole story well, is not there. But we have to realize we people, are, you know, the people that aren't terrorists, uh, have to realize that there are, that ricin is one of those uh, poisons that is very effective in killing people and it can be uh, processed in your kitchen. Right. All you do is take out the bean, isn't it, uh, and just boil it. I don't know. I don't want to know. All I did was I made sure it couldn't grow where I live. Right. And so I tested that, and it didn't grow. Now, my guess is, that, and, and again, if you're, I, I like doing forensic investigation because I've been in forensic. I know. Uh, I know. And so this guy is almost certain if he thinks it's on his hands, it means he either was handling it because he was transporting it or he made it. Uh, so we want to know if he has confreres that the police and so on have tracked down, whether they're terrorists or they're just a, a militia group. Uh, but ricin's a kind of, it's a delayed poison. You give it to somebody, in a few hours they feel sick as hell, and within 10 to 20 hours they're dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so it's 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 pretty pretty high lethality, too. So obviously he was saying that maybe enough exposure just transdermally that he was going to be in big trouble, even if he hadn't eaten it. Right. Yeah, I grew it here, and then I used it as a, uh, as a lesson for uh, junior high and high school students. And I made them look at the plant. <laughs> you know, you can look at a plant in a book, but when you see it out in the water, you know, where it's growing, it looks different. And I showed them that it had a red stalk and uh, green elephant leaves, much like rhubarb. And, you right. know, rhubarb is toxic. And uh, had I handled it, I probably would have gotten a rash. But it didn't grow enough to produce beans. <clears throat> and so I don't think any who lives above 35 degrees north latitude will have any problem. You know, he was down in Houston, as I remember. Yeah. I've forgotten where he was. Yeah. Okay, I want to, uh, I don't think, uh, we just need to be aware that, uh, you know, there are people out there who are fooling around or, like you said, they could be in a militia group or whatever. But that uh, we first became aware of ricin, wasn't it that umbrella that uh, stuck a ricin into somebody's leg in Britain? Or yeah, I think it's, it's been floating around the news since the '60s because it's yeah. been kind of a, a terrorist uh, or kind of a you know a, it's a very scary thing because you can put ricin into a whole batch of food or grain or whatever, and it's. It does biodegrade, in other words, it can persist. So Yeah, they, and to weaponize it, that's what the real terrorists want to do. They want to make right. it a powder that will stay in the air. Well, a lot of them hopefully die before they ever do that. Well, hand, if they're bad handlers, like this guy might have been a bad And when I look at the sauce picture you put up, he looks like a ticket. In other words, he doesn't look like he's particularly bright. Um, okay. So what next story would you like to cover? Well, I would like to cover some constitutional issues. And, uh, you know, we have a right to life. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
And I want to talk about what the government is not doing to provide us with life. Including, I see your top story is wild bees. Yes. So, so it's not just our life, it's the life of the wild bees, too. Well, they pollinate the plants. Right. Uh, Einstein said if we uh, the bees die, we have four years of gruel and then we die. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. If your home has hard water, then it's likely that LimeScale is clogging your pipes, damaging your appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars each year. You can eliminate LimeScale in the entire house with HydroCare products available at Wave Home Solutions. Easy and efficient with no maintenance, no salts, no chemicals, and no coils. And you can buy with confidence from Wave Home Solutions. Performance guaranteed. Just go to bestwater411.com. That's bestwater411.com. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. It's time for you to have your own custom smartphone app for your business and pay way less than you can imagine. Introducing the I Can Get To Silent Salesman mobile marketing app, a global mobile marketing and communication tool for your business. Go to appsapart.com and learn how you could earn up to $36,351 or more per month just by inviting two people or less into a $14.95 per month program. Go to appsapart.com and be sure to watch the video at the top of the site and listen to the audio message from the CEO near the bottom. This is something you won't want to miss. Go to appsapart.com now or call 646-860-9540. That's 646-860-9540. Get the I can get too. That's I-C-A-N-G-E-T, the number two, silent salesman app at appsapart.com. That's A-P-P-S-A-P-A-R-T.com. Without the right accessories, any guy can be off the mark. Whether you've invested thousands in your arsenal or you own a single trusted firearm, a visit to aroutfitting.com is in order. It's one of the finest online selections of tactical optics and AR parts and add-ons, like EOTech, quick target acquisition with no peripheral loss. Browse the full range of Nikon scopes and binoculars. 
AirOutfitting.com can illuminate your world with Streamlight gun-mounted lights from keychain to large handhelds up to 1,100 lumens. Find some stability with Battenfield Tactical Bipods. AirOutfitting.com has CMMG gun parts, barrels, assemblies, handguards, part kits, and more, plus magful clips and magazines. I know I've got you excited, so take a breath. Head to AirOutfitting.com. The site's super easy to navigate and features a ton of technical info, including links to manuals. We also welcome vendor and manufacturer inquiries. Remember, if you don't see it, we can get it at AirOutfitting.com. back and uh, we want to talk about uh, some very interesting stories this first one is constitution and life uh, the first part of that story I think is a bee decline threatens U.S. crop production what's the background to it well this was a uh, study that was done at the University of Rwanda and uh, what they were looking at was wild bees now why are they looking at wild bees that's a rhetorical question right. <laughs> they're looking at U.S. wild bees because the domesticated honeybee is dying. There's there's just not enough of them now, and uh, the government has been lax in following up on why um, uh, glyphosate is found in honey that is sold to the public. They just ignore that. But we had an article which about that. We talked which about is that for, for Roundup, right? That was for Roundup, exactly. Yeah. And of course, Roundup. Uh, you know, I it's. I could have put this under crony capitalism, yeah. but in any case, um, so, and did you see the floods in California? They drowned the bees out there. <laughs> I wow. don't know what those beekeepers were thinking, <clears throat> but they didn't, they didn't realize that their, their uh, beehives uh, would be affected by water. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, You're kidding me. I mean, in other words, they didn't cover them so that they would then drown the bees and the, the eyes were just sitting out in the open? You're kidding. How dumb do you have to be to be a beekeeper? <laughs> mm, I shouldn't say that. I, I know yeah, that's, that, that's kind of that's beyond stupid. I mean, you know, that's you know what the hive stupid. does. These little bee plates hang down so the bees can create their 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 the the, the, the wax and the beehive on that little plate. And if obviously there's a, a bottom to it, it's going to fill up with water and they're going to drown. Well, that's right. Well, the floodwaters just turned over the hives and wrecked them. I mean, there was, yeah, they should have been putting buildings or, or in, you know, you know, temporary shelters with, uh, you know, to, to allow them to not have be literally flooded to death. Um, yeah, why didn't the USDA tell the beekeepers that floods will affect your hives? <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so we're we're killing the domesticated honeybees, uh, not only apparently with the glyphosate. But also with our poor agricultural policy, <laughs> and when there's floods or other types of climate. Now, the other thing is, you will remember, do you remember when the uh, killer bees were brought into the United States? Yes. They were, uh, yeah, they were brought into... That was back in the 60s or 70s? Well, they came in, uh, the Brazilian scientist 
attempted to breed a honeybee, buffer, adapted to South American tropics, and they called those Africanized bees or killer bees. And so they are descendants of the southern African bees imported in 1956. Uh And so they... uh, and then they worked their way up. You know, they got away from the people who were supposed to be taking care of them. And they came up and uh, they've invaded into the southern part of the United States, especially California. Right. Now, the rea- and I'm not sure that that wasn't deliberate. Because what happens is if, I think they were hoping that the killer bees, the Africanized bees, would be uh, more likely to survive than our domesticated uh, honeybee. And for the most part, that's right. They'll, they'll raid their hives and they'll kill them off and they'll even attack a person. They've killed people. I don't think they're not pollinators, though, are they? I mean, they, these bees are not a normal pollinator of crops or whatever, are they? Well, they're not domesticated. Right. They were hoping. No, they were hope. No, no. They will pollinate crops, but they won't make honey. They don't. Right. They're not domesticated. You can't. Right. They may make honey, but it's in a tree someplace that you'll never find, and you yeah, can't. Or, go or the side of a cliff or something, right? I've seen these. Yeah, Africans and you can't get close enough. You yeah. can't get close enough to them to to see what they're making because they'll kill you if you get close to them. Right. Anyway. You get literally stung to death. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I've seen these African anyway, guys on the side of like the cliff. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'm not sure that it wasn't deliberate to do that because even back then we knew that honeybees, domesticated honeybees, were on the decline. Anyway, so this that is why the University of Vermont uh, did the study. They said, "Well, we better get our other pollinators. We better look at our wild bees." And they they tabulated the information, and on this graph you'll see that the red ones, uh, the bee abundance. On the cropland is low. In other words, it's less than half. And so any places are red on that map, that's, those are the counties. And they found that 139 counties across the entire United States um, uh, face a, well, they just don't have, their, their, the wild bee supply is falling, and there's a, Pollination, rising crop pollination demand. So, what do they want to do? Um, so, this is the first U.S. wild bee map, and so people should look at this. Now, I, you know, I can, I can see where I am. It's not a problem, but uh, down in Arkansas, it's a real problem, and up in Illinois, and and of course the Big Valley of California, Eastern Washington, um, Western Texas. And South Dakota, North Dakota, and Minnesota. So, uh, uh, so the Corn Belt. Anyway, so they have trouble zones, and they they want to they want to study this more, and then they also want to see what they can do to increase the wild bee habitat. For instance, here in Missouri, the Department of Natural Resources is asking us to provide food for wild bees. Well, the only kind of wild bees that are around me are are um, bumblebees. And bumblebees don't build nests. They burrow into the ground. They make honey. They burrow into the ground over the winter, and then they produce whatever they produce, poop, and uh, feed on the honey they store. So you don't get honey out of them. 
but they want them because they pollinate. And so I, I planted goldenrod. Now, a lot of people won't plant goldenrod because it looks, it looks like an allergen. And it isn't really. It, it, you know, it, it does bother me a little bit. But people can help with this effort to increase the food supply for wild bees. Now, as it turns out, before the previous president left, and this was released September 21st, 2016, so in the last quarter of uh, 2016, uh, they decided, uh, the executive branch decided, that uh, climate change is a growing threat to national security. Well, yeah, I think we all knew that, but he made it so that it affected the decisions they were making from the executive branch of the government. And uh, I went ahead and printed the whole thing. And uh, what you'll notice is that water and food are going, are going to be fragile. And uh, so the, the next article talks about Warren Buffett. Now, I think we all know oh, who yeah, Warren Buffett yeah. did. Yeah, Warren well, Buffett and is a big investment in water, right? Yes, that's what yeah. I want to show you. Right. Uh, he invested in Nalco Holding, and uh, it's a small cap stock. I hope everybody knows what that means. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually one of the world's largest water treatment companies. And uh, so uh, Buffett picked up a lot, 8.7 million shares, and that makes Berkshire Hathaway the Hathaway, second largest yeah. shareholder. Yeah, right. And uh, so it, it's uh, so. And what they're doing is they know, for instance, that it takes roughly twenty gallons of water to make a pint of beer. Did you know that? As much as one hundred and thirty-two gallons of water to make a two-liter bottle of soda, and about five hundred gallons of water, including the water used to grow, dye, and process cotton, to make a pair of Levi's stonewashed jeans. Now, did you know all that? Other examples include the nearly 35 gallons of water behind every cup of coffee, the 700 gallons of water behind the typical dyed T-shirt, and 630 gallons to produce a single hamburger. So is water going to be important? Yes. And uh, uh, we don't know yet what uh, the current president is going to do to increase our water security, we need the water security in order to grow enough food, and uh, that's you know that's going to be the problem with climate change. Is are we going to have droughts or are we going to be flooded out? Well, there, whatever uh, happened. I've done some videos with Paul Power from the Primary Water Institute up in Eureka, which would be the part of the California that would break off and become the state of Jefferson, where they're getting clobbered with uh, water right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, the primary water is at fault zones. And, in fact, he went up in uh, last year in the uh, mountains of Cal- Northern California and at, uh, I think it was 6,000-foot elevation, he drilled only 100 feet down and got 2,000 gallons a minute water. Wow. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, an hour water, not 2,000 gallons a minute. I mean, an hour water. So what what basically we're, we have is we don't have a problem, but we have a, a, a uh, and this involves the hydrogeologist, the city of Encinitas, are pretty wise people here in California. They've been trying for 12 years to get primary waters. They have some fault zones down there, and potentially there's some water, and it may be quite deep. 
Uh, Muammar Gaddafi actually had some scientists he contacted because although he was a strange dresser, he was actually had a pretty high IQ. And he actually brought scientists in and British drilling companies. And uh, when, the, when the war happened and they started bombing his drill rigs that were actually loaned in from Britain, a British company, they were drilling down roughly 2,400 feet to where the water was for the oases. And 75% of the new uh, storage tanks and rivers and uh, reservoirs were all primary water dug from around 2,400 feet deep where the oases across North Africa are in Libya uh, for tens of thousands of years. In fact, uh, <clears throat> my great-great-grandfather was uh, Abasha, and he owned a main caravan that went from uh, Damascus, Syria, to China twice a year with my great-grandmother. And uh, if it wasn't for the oases that were fed by primary water, they would have died in the desert. So the fact is we have tons of water. Uh, we also, if we're going to be using fracking, and this is one of the things I'm concerned about with Trump, if you do fracking, you have to replace that water with clean water, and you have to not put chemicals down when you're fracking. Uh, I disagree with the idea of putting chemicals in fracking. You can do microwave fracking, but the primary thing is if you put water down after you've contaminated it, you better filter it first. Number two, you've got to make sure you actually extract water deep enough that you can recharge the aquifers because if you're... When you talk about this ratio and the number of gallons to actually say maybe produce a gallon of fuel or so many, you know, uh, cubic meters of liquid natural gas, the numbers are probably going to be pretty astronomical high in terms of how much water is needed in order to actually create this, quote, independent energy state that Trump wants to do. So some of the things he does, he doesn't know the math or the science to actually recharge the aquifers. And I'm concerned about that. I'm sure you are, too, that there's some sneaky... uh, crony capitalism sneaking in here that Trump is not aware of and some of the things he wants to do if you look at the balance sheet it is not very doable is it well and this kind of worries me that Buffett is investing in a company that cleans up water so it's not that it's not that I mean I think Buffett knows there's going to be water wars well it's going to be a lot of dirty water from fracking if you're producing millions of gallons of dirty water every day in just one location you got to have a big cleanup company and if you've got thousands millions of shares in it you're going to make buco bucks because the government's going to guarantee that you have a lot of dirty water to clean up before you recharge it in the ground right that's a that's going well, that so to make a lot of money that would, <laughs> that would be nice if the government would do that but they don't make these companies cleaned up no they don't in fact they they're do. actually using fracking water for growing veggies at a cheaper water rate in the Central Valley in California, which means a lot of these veggies have got fracked water that have volatile hydrocarbons in it. And that's not a yes, good thing. Yes, and, and do you know what they found out when, uh, when the, which was the Horizon borehole, uh, Deep Horizon borehole blew? They found out that those hydrocarbons, the liver in people turns them into steroids. And exactly. In fact, you know how you can tell? If you go out to the oil rigs off of the Texas and Louisiana coast, and you see all the guys, they all look like they've been in World Federation wrestling. they got monster yeah. muscles. Now, believe it or not, they do exercise. But the the hydrocarbons act like anabolic steroids, and these guys are seriously blown up. You see the veins standing out in their arms, and they got arms like legs. It's like whole yep. cripes. And the reason yep. is not just that they exercise, but they the toxic hydrocarbons are like anabolic steroids. So everybody that's drinking that tracked water will end up on steroids. <laughs> you're just going to be like, you'll be ready for mixed martial arts or WWF. Nobody's going <laughs> to want to marry those girls. 
Yeah, that's okay. right. Well, now you're not going to win an arm wrestle with them. Let's, let's put that. You don't want an arm wrestle with them. <laughs> okay, now I want to talk about something else. Yeah. This is the, we have a new acronym called FAD, F-A-D, and that's the Forest Attrition Distance. And the Forest Attrition Distance is the distance between where you live and where the forest begins. And they studied uh, eight different uh, scenarios. And uh, if you, uh, for instance, uh, the, the, uh, if, if you let all the, let's say that you clear a plot of land, then pretty soon the land next to you is going to be uh, denuded of trees. And it's just going to work its way through this whole forest. And pretty soon your forest attrition distance will get bigger. But you don't have to do that. You can just allow people to build along the sides or down the middles or in the middle of a forest, and then people can still have the uh, uh, still have the forest uh, connecting. Uh, the the forest patches will still connect. Yeah, in other words, and, the edges of the forest have to connect, or you get a distance where there's a large gap and there's no forest. Is what you're saying? Yes. And if you scroll down, you will see a map where people have actually <laughs> gone to the study, have done the study, and this was uh, 2017. It's very recent, but it was published. Right. And um, it was the, uh, so, uh, you don't just, uh, uh, well, let's look at the bottom maps first, because it's the, the observed forest attrition district change, so the change uh, is, uh, well, it, it didn't change much along the eastern part of the country. I mean, all the way from the middle of Texas to the east coast. Right. But it did change uh, down along the border and up through Nevada and uh, Arizona. Right. And that's very important because we need the forest to uh, reclaim the water. Yeah, it's part of the hydrological cycle. If you don't have a forest, you're not going to reclaim the hydrological cycle. It's like all these waters up in Northern California. If you don't have conduits and reservoirs and forests, you're not going to keep it. It's just going to be flow off and go to the oceans, right? Right. We are the American Freedom Party. This is the most urgent time in the history of Western civilization. In the year 1900, white people of European descent comprised 35% of the world population. Today it is less than 9% and falling fast. Europe is being overrun with Middle Eastern immigrants, and America's founding stock is rapidly being replaced with third world peoples from around the globe. For the last 50 years, every influential institution in this nation, our schools and universities, our media, our churches and our employers, have promoted policies and principles that teach whites to be ashamed of their great heritage and birthright. We, who in the 1950s, the 1960s, and 1970s were the world's dominant force, are now so afraid of being called racist that we were quailing towards irrelevance and extinction. Join the American Freedom Party today. Reach us at theamericanfreedomparty.us or call us at 701-317-5317. Paid for by the American Freedom Party. 
You, your husband, your wife, your children, we all need food. And with dozens of food storage companies buying up airtime all over radio, it's hard for you to know which company you can actually trust. Hey folks, John Statmiller here. We at RBN understand, which is why I personally searched out a storable food company and one with similar core values to us here at RBN and of course you, the listener. Well, I found such a company. I'd like to introduce you to Numana Food Storage. Numana Food Storage, highly nutritious, GMO-free, contains no aspartame, no high fructose corn syrup, has no chemical preservatives or soy, and Numana Food Storage has a 25-year shelf life. To back up my claims, we've made Numana Food Storage the exclusive food sponsor of RBN. Call 888-597-0775, 888-597-0775. Order online at numanarepublic.com. That's N-U-M-A-N. NNARepublic.com. Food storage you'll love to eat. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's Life Support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life Support is the best complete nutrition meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great-tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great-tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. saying basically and this is where human beings uh this is where I, I really get into this idea of the environmentalism means things like if you're going to deal gently with the forest or the benthic layer of the oceans don't pollute dump bunker sea oil out there i saw bunker sea oil balls back in the early 70s 71 72 i was working on my honors biochemistry phd research and and this just makes logical sense don't chop the hell out of the forest like they used to do what's called clear cut when i did locums yeah. of british columbia in the 70s I couldn't believe it. These forest companies would come in there and they clear cut, and then they wonder why they get silting of the rivers and destroy the waterways down below, or farming communities, or silt up all of the uh, local waterways. And if there was salmon going back up the river, that would they're they're done. They I mean they completely yeah. destroy the the pathways, and this just allows it to say, hey, you want a little corridor through the forest? We can do that. We can do a little hedge here and there, but if you don't have connecting pieces of forest. The wild animals can't transition from one block of the forest to another. And you also put the danger, the idea you can't capture the water if you have a giant flow of water like this Pineapple Express is dumping water in Northern California. So you can actually refill the aquifers and maintain some water before it flows back to the ocean. So, uh, exactly. so a lot of things we're doing, it's not so much the carrying capacity of the planet because with bad mismanagement, even 
a tenth of the population we have now would freak up the planet. It might take a little longer, like a century, but if we don't change our practices, we're going to screw up the upper atmosphere with, with radiotoxins like Fukushima. We're going to screw up the oceans and kill the benthic layer by acidifying it, and we're going to destroy the carbon oxygen cycle. So no matter what we're doing, just getting smaller and smaller vehicles or moving electric won't solve it if we keep on doing stupid things. So we have to change the way we interact with the planet so we become a positive, not an extinction-level event. So, you know, uh, we can't just say, it's, you know, carbon credits are going to fix it. No, you got to change, like, how you even allow cut your communities into the forest so that they can capture the water, especially along the borders. Makes sense, doesn't it? Well, that's right. And here in Missouri, the uh, Missouri Department of Natural Resources encourages people to plant and they even tell you what plants to plant that will live. <laughs> and we have right. Missouri clay. Okay, I want to keep uh, going here. There are several, uh, there, you know, the, the uh, Trump uh, put out an executive order says we don't want to let in uh, terrorists. And right. he's got a lot of uh, flack on that. Now, but I, this is really important. <laughs> Vladimir Putin ordered Russia to recognize documents issued in the rebel-held East Ukraine. So in other words, they're recognizing that East Ukraine is a legitimate country, not West Ukraine, which was taken over, what was that called, where you, where you take over the battle? It was, an, it, was an, it was a coup d'etat by... Uh, coup d'etat. By, yeah, by, by Valerie... Uh, 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 and and the State Department, and uh, they put in Poroshenko, who's not duly elected. And he was no, shelling Eastern right. Ukraine, which was basically 95% Russian, so he didn't invade Eastern Ukraine. He just said, hey, if you want to immigrate to Russia because you're Russian, no problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, uh, okay. That's enough for today. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, and let's do a show tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I have to run early okay. today, but uh, we've got all our video uh, software and everything on our computer all tuned up, so we're ready to roll. Thank you, Anna. It was a great show today. We covered a lot of good topics. And uh, thank you for supporting Nutramedical. We'll be back in a minute with the host of the most, Michelle. She's got your wellness questions, and it's the firing line coming up. Odors, mold, and mildew describe your basement or crawl space? It doesn't have to be that way. Transform them into a fresh, healthy, usable one with the technologically advanced Wave Moisture Control Units. The computerized operation maximizes moisture control and also expels harmful radon, combustion gases, and numerous other pollutants. Dehumidifiers are old technology that do nothing for air quality and waste energy. Wave units are intelligent, self-monitoring, do not need maintenance, and will save you hundreds in electricity. Wave units are still running effectively over 15 years. They've been tested and installed in public and military housing and by property managers nationwide. Buy a unit now and if your home is not fresher and drier, you can return it for a full refund for up to 12 months. What have you got to lose? Call now. 1-888-618-WAVE. 1-888-618-WAVE. Or visit MyDryHome.com. That's MyDryHome.com. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network.
Thank you.